Thank you for listening to the Life Church of Kansas City, Missouri. Consider supporting by giving at tlckcmo.com, subscribing, and sharing this message with your friends. God bless you. Well, if you're glad to be at Passing the Mantle, would you put your hands together all over this house? And just let Jesus know you're glad to be in his presence. Amen. God bless you as you make your way back to your seat. I have uh, likewise admired Brother Gleason from a distance for many years. And he preached a message was able to share this with him earlier today Uh, but he preached a message several years ago at because of the times called the first trip beyond the veil and he was talking about how before the priest could go beyond the veil for the people the priest had to go beyond the veil for himself and that message has stuck with me ever since I want to be right with God I want to be right with God. And with that being said, I've got heaven in my view. How many of you enjoyed that word, Brother Gleason, Caleb Gleason? Amen. Let's give him a big hand here tonight. Can we do that? Amen. Amen. So honored to be teamed up with him here tonight. And uh, one thing that moved me about Caleb Gleason was not just his message and what the Lord spoke through him, but the purity of his spirit, the purity of his spirit. And I honor him today. And I give honor to, of course, Pastor Gleason and Sister Gleason. I love you and I appreciate you so very much. Thank you for being apostolic. Thank you for being apostolic. Then, of course, Brother Justin Gleason and his wife, we are missing his wife. But we thank God for multiplication in the kingdom. Praise God. They're welcoming a, a new baby at any minute now. And we rejoice with them in that. Of course, as Pastor Gleason has already said, this is my first time here. And I know that I don't know you and you don't know me. But we know him. We know him. So what do you say we skip all the introduction and getting to know each other and filling each other out and just get into the flow and uh, let's see what God wants to do here tonight. Can we do that? Amen. I give honor to the other speakers, Brother Cornejo, Brother Herring, Brother Wilson, Brother Stone King. God bless them. Let's stand and let's go to the word of the Lord. If I could get, if you could give that back to me up here. I have almost no monitor if I could just get some help thank you so very much first Kings chapter 18 and verse number 46 first Kings chapter 18 and verse number 46 I feel the Holy Ghost in this house How many of you enjoyed that worship team, those young people singing under the Lord, musicians? 
What I loved about them was they were not just talented, but they were anointed of the Holy Ghost. And there is no substitute for real, genuine anointing. Amen. I give them honor today. First Kings 18 and verse number 46. And the hand of the Lord was on Elijah. And he girded up his loins and ran before Ahab to the entrance of Jezreel. The hand of the Lord was on Elijah. And he girded up his loins and ran before Ahab to the entrance of Jezreel. God touched the prophet. And allowed him to move with such an acceleration that he would outrun the king's chariot to the city. It was customary in that day that when a king was making an entrance into a city that he would have forerunners that would go before him and let the city know the king is coming. That's why John the Baptist, prophet of God, was a forerunner for Jesus Christ. Because he had to go and let them know the king is coming. Acts 2 and 17, you don't have to turn there, but I want to read that. You're hearing Acts 2 and 17. And it shall come to pass in the last days, saith God. I will pour out of my spirit upon all flesh and your sons and daughters shall prophesy. We read the first part of that as apostolics and we get excited and we should. Because there's nothing like seeing a soul filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost for the very first time. Nothing like it. But just as sure as God is going to pour out his spirit on all flesh in the last days, he said sons and daughters are also going to prophesy. I want to talk to you tonight on this subject, prophetic acceleration. Prophetic acceleration. God is raising up prophetic voices in this hour to let the city know the king is coming. The king is coming. I'm trying to pinpoint exactly what I'm feeling right now, but I don't feel the liberty to move on just yet. And so I'm not in a rush. I'm not here to impress anybody. I'm just here to obey the Holy Ghost. And so would you just lay your Bibles down and I want you to lift your hands. Hmm. There's that help. I just felt it walk in the room. I've been waiting on it. We're not in any rush. Would you lift your voice and would you just pray in the Holy Ghost for just a moment? Thank you, Jesus. 
Come on, I want you to lift your voice and pray until you feel total liberty in this room right now. Lift your voice and pray in the Holy Ghost until you feel that wind of the Spirit just begin to blow wherever you are. Come on, lift your voice all over this house right now. We need you, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Come on, pray in the Holy Ghost. Pray with authority in this house. Lift your voice all over the house right now. The name of Jesus. Come on, that's it. That's it. Angels are stepping into this room right now. Come on, those angels just walked into this room. Why don't you reach over and grab your neighbor's hand and pray for your neighbor right now. Come on, let's agree that God's going to speak to us in this room. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Those hands you have raised, let's clap them under the Lord with everything we've got. That sounds good, but what would sound better is if you'd mix your voice with that. Would you clap those hands and just shout unto God? Come on, why don't you shout like you're on the winning team here tonight? Praise God. Praise God. Prophetic acceleration. If you promise to help me preach tonight, God bless you. You can be seated. The apostolic movement is at a pivotal point in its history. Don't be alarmed by this statement, but one thing I have noticed traveling across our movement is that there are a lot of Pentecostals 
but not enough apostolics. We have all experienced the same battles of the last year and a half. Those battles have brought us to a place where the line is being drawn between just being Pentecostal and being apostolic. We've reached a crossroads and decisions have to be made where we as the church make up our minds that in this hour we cannot and will not be the same. It's time to break out of our comfort zones and begin to operate as the spirit beings we've been created to operate as. And we step into the dimension where we live with an awareness of the spirit world. Because you have to understand here tonight that the natural world is, is not the real world. It's the created world. But the real world is the spirit world. It existed before time and it existed before creation. And when you read the book of Exodus, you'll find out that Exodus gives an account of darkness that is covering the land of Egypt. And God called it darkness that could be felt. And that darkness possessed such a heaviness that it was a tangible darkness. And that same tangible darkness is covering the earth today. Anybody who is sensitive to the Spirit can easily pick up on the eeriness of the hour that we are living in. And I don't believe that the easiest days are ahead of us. But I believe very strongly in the Holy Ghost that there is a disruption that is coming to the world that will cause us to have no other choice than to operate in apostolic dimensions. And there is an eeriness that comes with this darkness that is covering the earth, which is why we have got to pay attention to the signs of the times. You hear me when I remind you that we are closer to the end than we have ever been before. That's why we've got to be sure that we never return to normality where flowing in the Spirit is concerned. And that means religious tradition has got to go. That means carnality has got to go. That means complacency has got to go. It is time to step into dominion and be used of God mightily because the people that know their God shall be strong and do exploit. Does anybody believe that is you in this house here tonight? There is an urgency in my spirit here tonight. And I believe it is the urgency of the hour that we are living in. The church is now in the 11th hour. The work day is about to come to an end. So that means we have got to hasten in the task that is before us. And I hope that the last year and a half has caused us as the apostolic church to refocus our priorities. Because souls are depending on you and I to grow up and mature so we can make disciples and conquer cities and win our regions with the gospel. 
That means getting rid of our agenda when we come into the house of God. That means everybody doing his or her part to facilitate an atmosphere of the supernatural when we come into the house of God. That means no more blaming your lack of praise on your personality type. Can I tell you the miraculous doesn't know introvert or extrovert. We've got to facilitate an atmosphere of the miraculous for the world to be altered by the kingdom of God. And souls are depending on us to be nothing less uh, than apostolic. And so you've got to understand that perspective, it's, it's everything. Perspective is everything. Mary was engaged to Joseph as a virgin when she conceived the Messiah. That would seem like a crisis to most people. Most would have asked God, what on earth are you doing? But Mary probably asked God, what are you doing on earth? Because perspective is everything. And in this hour of one crisis after another, we have got to ask God, what are you doing on earth? What is your purpose in everything? Everything that is happening in the earth. And this generation has got to be a proactive generation, not a reactive generation. You've got to realize that everything in creation functions the way it does because creation is in a reactive posture. All of creation is suspended on God's word. The sun will rise another day because it's reacting to the word that set it in motion in the beginning. The stars twinkle in the sky because they're reacting to the command of God's word. The wind blows because it's reacting to the command that initiated its movement in the beginning. And so creation must react to the command of God's word that was spoken in the beginning. So everything in creation is reactive. It is living in obedience to the way that it was commanded to function. In other words, creation is bound up by mechanics. Its only option is to go through the motions. It doesn't have the option to be proactive, but there is a difference between man and everything else in creation. Man is the only creation that has the option to be proactive instead of reactive because man was not fashioned by God's word. Man was fashioned by God's work. When he wanted to create everything else, he had to talk, but when he wanted to create man, he had to touch. Everything else exists because of what God shaped but you and I exist because everything else exists because of what God spoke but you and I exist because of what God shaped so we have the opportunity to be proactive and God is trying to bring us back to our originally created position and that is a position that is proactive not reactive because we have a tendency to become like the rest of creation and that we get caught in this rhythm of reacting to what hell does and reacting to life struggles and reacting to opposition in ministry when God is trying to move us into a posture that is proactive uh, where we finally wake up and take authority in the spirit realm and walk in the promises uh, that God has already given us in this hour. (laughs) 
And in Exodus 25, God lays out the plan for the tabernacle in the wilderness to Moses. And then when it's time for that tabernacle to be set up in Exodus chapter 40, you have to notice that the first piece of furniture that God instructed to be placed inside the tabernacle was the Ark of the Covenant. And once the Ark was placed inside the tabernacle, every other piece of furniture was placed in its subsequent position. So the first time they entered the tabernacle they started with the glory but the next time they entered the tabernacle they ended with the glory that means the position of the glory preceded the position of everything else and I am seeing a trend across our movement where the prayer room is getting smaller but the production is getting bigger where the glory is secondary and the service schedule is primary but I rise to preach to passing the mantle tonight that the apostolic church has got to get back to the place where we start with the glory and we end with the glory. We cannot finish in the flesh what God has started in the spirit. You hear me in this house. There's no substitute for anointing. There's no substitute for glory. There's no substitute for power except the Lord build the house. The watchman wakes in vain. Let's clap our hands all over this house right now. And the Lord directed me to begin preaching in December 2019 that God is about to bring his body in alignment to prepare us for a fresh visitation and that prophets would be coming out of the caves. I had no idea what would transpire in the upcoming months when COVID hit in March of 2020. And that has resonated in my spirit louder than ever in this present hour that the body of Christ has got to get into alignment and that prophetic voices are being loosed in the kingdom of God. And over the last year and a half, I want you to understand how strategic God is. Over the last year and a half, the church was in the first phase of Ezekiel 37 where the prophet spoke the word and the scattered bones were brought into alignment. And once there was alignment in the bodies, the prophet spoke a second time. But this time he spoke to the atmosphere and the Spirit revived what was previously brought into alignment. Can I tell the apostolic church we are entering the second phase of Ezekiel 37 where God is about to revive everything that was brought into alignment over the last year and a half. But it cannot happen if prophetic voices are silent in our movement. You might say you're not a prophet, but you better wake up and understand there is a prophetic element in the deep of every New Testament believer and in this hour God is about to elevate prophets that can speak to the atmosphere and call things that are not as though they already were. You ought to rise to your feet in this house and open up your mouth and begin to prophesy to your church. You ought to prophesy to your youth group. You ought to prophesy and speak to the wind because if you're brought in alignment, the power is about to give you Open up your mouth in this house right now. Lift your voice and begin to speak things into existence.
And in 2 Kings 4, the Shunammite woman built a room for the prophet in her home. And the prophet said, by this time next year, you're going to have a son. In other words, your future is about to be born. And eventually the woman's future dies and she takes her future and puts it in the room of the prophet and he lays on top of the dead body of the boy and aligns his eyes with the boy's eyes and his mouth with the boy's mouth and his hands with the boy's hands and the woman's future came back to life. So the purpose of the prophetic is to make sure that our future is aligned with what God says, with what God sees, and with what God does and when we make room for the prophetic our future will be revived and it will be greater than it ever was before Ah, but the problem is we as the body of Christ have been hesitant to make room for prophets because we're afraid they're going to tell us what we need to hear instead of itching our ears with what we want to hear. We want the visitation, but we don't want the prophet. That'll bring judgment to our house so we can repent and receive the visitation. And that was the issue with Israel. Israel did not want a prophet. They wanted a king so they could be like other nations. So they silenced Samuel and selected Saul. You hear me in this house. We are never more like the world than when we replace prophets with personalities. But the days have got to come to an end of muzzling God's messenger. We cannot continue to elevate personalities instead of prophets. We don't need more talent. We don't need more skill. We don't need more last names or pedigrees. We need people that can speak prophetically. Come on. We need people that can pray in the spirit. We need people with their finger on the pulse of the Spirit and can help direct the church. We need voices that can say, this is where the cloud is moving. This is where the church is headed. Is there anybody in this house that would lift your voice right now and say, God, I want to be a prophetic voice in this hour. We need to lift our hands. Let's pray right here. All over the house, lift your voice. That's why this is not just another meeting. But there are people in this room with prophetic anointings on their life. There are people in this room with prophetic anointings on their life and you don't even know it. There are individuals here that are about to step into prophetic ministry. But hear me in this house. The Holy Ghost wants me to tell you your flaws do not hinder you from being a prophet. That's why God told Jeremiah before I formed you in the belly I knew you and I ordained you a prophet under the nation. And then what does Jeremiah do? He starts listing all of his inadequacies as though that would disqualify him from being a prophet. But what you have to understand is Jeremiah was ordained to be a prophet before he was born. But his deficiency wasn't developed until after he was born. A deficiency developed after your birth will not negate a destiny God gave you before you 
your birth. Hey, God told Moses, I made your mouth. And it doesn't matter if you stutter when it's time to prophesy. I'll be with your mouth. I'm here to preach to the Moseses. Rise up with your stutter and speak what God said. Come on, I need a Jeremiah to get out in their aisle and say, uh, I might be flawed, uh, but I'm still a prophet. I might not have it all together. I'm going to deal with that right there because I felt a little kickback. There's a lot of you in here. You've made mistakes. Boy, I feel the Holy Ghost right now. You've made mistakes. And when God gives you a word, you put that word to the back burner because the enemy reminds you of all the mistakes you made. And the enemy's trying to tell you you're not perfect enough and you're not good enough for God to use you in that prophetic gifting and that prophetic anointing. You want to know why the enemy is telling you not to help me preach? Why he's telling you not to dance? Why he's telling you not to shout? Why he's telling you not to run because he's fallen and he can never clap again. He can never dance again. He can never shout again. You ought to shout about the blood in this house right now and say it was the blood that washed me. It was the blood. Hey prophet, get up and prophesy. Open up your mouth. Shout in this house right now and speak into the atmosphere. You want to get out in your seat and dance in this house right now and say he washed me and I'm about to step into my ministry. I'm telling you there are prophets in this room and the gifts of the spirit have a balance. Paul had a thorn to keep him balanced in his revelation. But Elijah had a Jezebel. Keep that right there if you don't mind. The spirit of Jezebel produces fear and depression. And Jezebel told Elijah he would die tomorrow. And immediately he becomes paralyzed with fear about his future. And that fear sent him into a state of depression. Most times that I have a word from the Lord. Most times that God is sending me into a city or sending me to a man or to a church with a word from God I begin to fight fear about my future and I begin to fight the feeling of depression it's not depression that's just the only way I know how to describe it and many of you struggle with those emotions and you've not been able to identify why you're battling with them you're not depressed but that's the only way to describe how you feel I want you to know those emotions are a signal that God has put a word in your spirit and it is a call to prayer and when you 
you pray under the weight of those emotions. You'll pray with a fervency. You would not have prayed without that heaviness. And that'll cause the word in your spirit to finally be released. And so those of you that deal with that very thing, I admonish you the next time that you feel those emotions, you better find a place to pray. And when you come out of that prayer closet, there will be a word in your mouth. You're not depressed. You're just under the weight of a word. I lose you from that lie of the enemy that tells you you're depressed. You are not depressed. It's just the weight of a word that God's put on your shoulders. There are individuals in this room, you've been going crazy. You've been feeling like you're about to lose your mind. First three years of my ministry traveling across this movement, I lived in a state of depression, Brother Gleason. I didn't know what was wrong with me. I'd pull into a city or I'd be around somebody else or I'd walk into a church and I'd start feeling all of these different things and I'd start having all of these different thoughts and I thought, my God, what in the world is wrong with me? And I'd go back to my room and I'd be depressed. There was a weight on me, but I didn't know that it was God letting me feel things that I needed to deal with. He was letting me pick up on things. He was letting me pick up on things in other people that he wanted me to give them a word about. I'm trying to help somebody in this house. Nothing is wrong with you. There's just a prophetic anointing on your life. And God's trying to lift that confusion off of you and let you know I've got a word for you. Let's lift our hands and let's pray in this house right now. Ah, but don't don't be deceived. The enemy is aware of the prophetic office. And it combats the prophetic by loosing the spirit of Jezebel. It wants to make the church fearful of her tomorrow because it knows what the church is about to step into. What spirit have we dealt with the most in the last year and a half? Fear. The spirit of Jezebel. Because she knows God's about to reach into the caves and pull out prophets. And the enemy has tried to overcome us with fear so it can silence those prophetic voices. But when Elijah was fearful and didn't know if he would live beyond tomorrow, the word of the Lord came to him to go and anoint Elisha as the prophet in the room. It is amazing to me that in one generation's greatest moment of fear, he was instructed to transfer that prophetic ministry to the next generation. We are at a place in the spirit right now where prophetic anointing is shifting to the next generation. That's why I mentioned 
preaching to you today, Brother Gleason, uh, Brother Justin, Brother Caleb Gleason, Brother Cornejo. That's why I mentioned today uh, at lunch that in 2020, look at what has happened uh, with the men that have been taken from COVID. Uh, Brother Eli Hernandez, a prophet of God. Uh, Brother George Guy, a prophet of God. Uh, Brother Irvin Baxter, who deals with prophetic end time things. Uh, Brother Thomas Windross, uh, an apostle and a prophet of God. Uh, there is a gap in the prophetic role uh, in the apostolic church. Uh, and I'm going to tell you exactly why that is. Uh, it's because that prophetic ministry is shifting from the last generation uh, down to this generation. Uh, you hear me, young person? Uh, God's about to speak to you uh, in the middle of the night. Angels are about to visit your closet of prayer. God's about to show you things. Uh, he doesn't show everybody else. Uh, he's about to get... I need some young people to get hungry for what I'm preaching about right now. Prophetic acceleration. Prophetic acceleration. Prophetic acceleration. The hand of the Lord is upon this generation. And he's accelerating young prophets. Why? Because you got to beat the king to the city to let them know the king is coming. The king is coming. The Lord sent me by here to help some of you understand why you've been feeling some of the things you've been feeling. I know what it's like. I know what it's like to get up and preach. And God use you in a certain gifting and then you go back to the room and you wonder what in the world is wrong with me. Just depression and fear. I didn't know it was the balance to the gift. God's about to help some of you understand in this room. Because you're confused. You're confused. You're wondering how in the world can I feel so depressed, so heavy all the time. So anxious in my spirit, so fearful. But yet when you go to your closet of prayer... You tap into a dimension of prayer you've never tapped into before. And God uses you to speak prophetically to people and you don't understand. The Holy Ghost wants to help you with that here tonight. And he wants to help you understand. Hold on. He wants to help you understand that there's a prophetic anointing on your life. Nothing is wrong with you, Elijah. Nothing is wrong with you. It's just the balance to the office. Let's lift our hands. Let's pray out here for just a moment.
I'm going to leave you with this. God is accelerating this thing. And his hand is on this generation of young, young prophets. But let me just say this. We don't have time to wait until they're 40 and 50 before we acknowledge them as what they are. I know apostles in their early 20s. God's already given them strategies to take cities. They're just waiting on the green light from God. God spoke to Elijah. He said, Elijah... I want you to anoint Jehu as king of Israel. And Elijah died before he could finish that task. And that prophetic ministry is transferred from Elijah to Elisha. And Elisha should have been the one to carry out what Elijah didn't finish. But when you study the life of Elijah, you find out that he got to the place where he was too old 
to make the journey to Ramoth Gilead where Jehu was. So to finish the task, what does he do? In 2 Kings 9 and verse 1, the Bible says he calls for a young, nameless prophet. And he says, I want you to gird up your loins and take this box of oil. And I want you to go to Ramoth Gilead. Why did he tell him to gird up his loins? Because the urgency of the task demanded him to run with the oil not walk with the oil and he said I want you to go to Ramoth Gilead which literally means the high place of Gilead and I want you to take this box of oil and open it up and pour it on the head of Jehu and say thus saith the Lord I have anointed thee as king of Israel And in 2 Kings 9 and 4, look at what the Bible says. Notice the wording. The writer said, so the young man, even the young man, the prophet, went to Ramoth Gilead. Even the young man went to Ramoth Gilead. What the writer was saying is we would have expected Elijah to do it. We would have expected Elisha to do it. But because of the urgency of the hour, even the young man will carry the oil to a high place. And we're at a place in the spirit where that prophetic anointing is being transferred from that last generation to this generation. We would have expected Brother Barnes to do it. We would have expected Brother Hernandez to do it. We would have expected Brother Billy Cole to do it. Brother G.A. Mangan. Sister Nona Freeman. But because of the urgency of the hour. Even the young men. Are going to carry the oil. To a high place. lift our hands all over the house I'm going to pray and I'm going to count to three and when I count to three I'm going to walk away and when I count to three I want you to lift your voice and if you want to you can run to this altar and put your face in this altar some of you might need to lay in between the chairs bend your knees wherever you're sitting but there's a release of prophetic anointing in this room right now And God's helping you understand exactly who you are and why you've been feeling some of the things you've been feeling. If you're hungry, I want you to begin to lift your voice. I want you to begin to reach with your spirit unto God. When I count to three, there needs to be intercession. There needs to be travail in this house, all over the house. Are you ready? By the authority of the name of Jesus and the power of the word of God, I call forth the greatness that is in this generation. I command that prophetic gifting to be activated in every prophetic voice in this room right now. 
I bind confusion in every lie of the enemy that wants to tell them something is wrong with them. They're flawed. They're broken. God, release understanding into their spirit. And now, God, I pray that you would put your hand upon them just as you did with Elijah and accelerate them in this hour to let the city know the king is on the way. Now, when I count to three, I release you in this house to lift your voice and go after this with everything you've got. Come on, Elisha. You got to burn the plow and kill the ox. One, two, three. Go after it. Go after it. You need to fall on your face in this house and go after this with everything you've got. Come on, lift your voice. Get out of that cave, Elijah. Get out of that cave, Elijah. How desperate are you? How desperate are you?